Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. This week's episode is kindly supported by Organic Babies, which is a brand that I absolutely love. But what I didn't know was that it was founded over 22 years ago. How amazing is that? When Charlotte, the founder, had a daughter who suffered really badly with eczema, just like my little Jessie. So... Charlotte quickly discovered after doing some research that many of the so-called natural skincare products contained up to 99% synthetic ingredients. How shocking is that? So she got to work making ultra gentle products. My must have is the Soothing Lavender Baby Balm. It really is one of those wonder products that is eczema friendly and you can use it for cradle cap, it softens the skin or you can use it on irritated skin. It fits perfectly into a nappy bag and I've just stocked up for my little newborn when she makes an appearance. Organic Babies replaces those synthetic ingredients with natural ones and this product is made with organic shea butter, hemp and candula to protect and nurture the skin's natural barrier. So Organic Babies, you might have seen it in Waitrose, Ocado, Abel and Cole and Whole Foods, or if you choose to get it direct from greenpeople.co.uk, that's greenpeople.co.uk, I have bagged us 20% off all Organic Babies and children's products across the whole site. So if you go to greenpeople.co.uk, .co.uk before the 31st of December pop in the code motherkind that's motherkind at the checkout you will get 20% off so on to this week's episode this week my guest is Courtney Berg who I discovered on Instagram via the holistic psychologist who I know many of you also love and I have since binged on all her posts and blogs and I'm pretty sure that after this you will too So Courtney is an addict in recovery. She's also a mum of two. She lives in the US and like me, she is obsessed with all things healing and recovery. So this episode is about boundaries, which I wanted to record for ages. And actually now is the perfect time with Christmas coming up because... I know a lot of us are going to be spending more time with family. Christmas is such a hectic time for us mums with so many pulls on our time and energy. So I think we need boundaries. I know we need boundaries, actually, in order to stay sane, maintain our own reserves of energy and also to keep the peace. I think without boundaries, life can get really messy and tricky. So Courtney and I really get into boundaries we talk about what they are why it's so challenging for many of us and why so many of us simply don't know what they were I know I had no idea what boundaries were until I got into my own healing and recovery work I asked Courtney about her own experience of of setting boundaries early on like when she was learning how to do it because I've always find that really helpful to hear 
We talk about boundaries and parenting, and we also deep dive into some of the questions that I get about boundaries. The biggest question that I get is what happens if the other person doesn't respect it? So we talk about that. I hope that you love the episode. As always, please, please, please do message me on Instagram, comment, send me an email, send me a DM. I know I say a lot, but there is nothing that I love more than chatting about this stuff with you guys. So please do let me know what you thought. Send me some questions, send Courtney some questions, and let's see if we can make this December the calmest, happiest one that we've all collectively ever had. Also, just before we get into the episode, I wanted to tell you that my Freedom from Perfectionism course is now live. So if you feel guilty, if you've ever felt not quite good enough, if you have a fear of failure, you're a procrastinator, or if you're just really hard on yourself, then I think the course will help you to feel calmer, kinder to yourself, and definitely happier. So it's an online self-study course. It's 20 days. I suggest you do it in 10 minutes a day, but you could do the whole thing in about three and a half hours. So I've designed it for really busy people like you. It's £60, but if you pop in the code MOTHERKIND10 at the checkout, then it's 10% off, so it's £54. And for everyone I sell, I'm giving one away to a mum who could never afford it via charity partners. So check that out. You can look at it on my website. And here is today's episode. So Courtney, welcome to the Motherkind podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, we've tried to do this a few times and <laughs> um, <laughs> things have got in our way all on my side, tech and time differences. No. I'm so excited to chat to you about today because we are going to talk predominantly about boundaries, which is something which I know my audience asked me about an awful lot. I think they're absolutely vital when we try and heal and parent and be a different way in the world. So I cannot wait to get into it with you because I know you feel the same. So before we start, can you just tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing today? Yeah. So I live in South Florida. I'm a wife and mom to two daughters. And about six years ago, I found myself pretty deep in drugs and alcohol addiction. And I was engaged. We were about to get married, my husband and I. And I really believed that when we got married, that I would feel better, that I would feel complete, and that I would feel healed. And up until that point, I was really great at achieving. So I was kind of a people pleaser, a perfectionist, and I got good grades. I was an athlete. I volunteered at church, and this addiction was kind of creeping up slowly. And like I said, I thought the marriage was going to just make it all feel better. And we got married. And about five months later, I found myself in rehab. My husband came in and I'd called him sick to work and just found myself depressed and really for the first time dealing with myself, which I didn't like. And so I went to rehab and that's when I learned about my inner child and about the stuff that I needed to heal. Fast forward five years later, I'm writing about it online. I found people to connect with. I realize now that there's so many more people out there that while they might not struggle with addiction to drugs and alcohol, they struggle with lack of confidence. They struggle with shame. They struggle with similar challenges that they thought their marriage or even having a child would complete them and fulfill them. And it doesn't. 
And it's been beautiful to see kind of the journey unfold and, and the community that we have built kind of online together. And so that's where I'm at now. And how did that healing come about for you? Did you follow the 12 step model? Did you do like a self healing model? Did you see therapists? What were some of the tools that have really worked for you and, and enabled you to be this sort of sober, grounded, present woman that you are today? I think it's definitely a mixture. I started with the 12 steps. I have a sponsor who's a really good friend of mine still. I attended meetings and I definitely did the traditional AA model to begin with for the first, gosh, two or three years. And then slowly I evolved and started doing, like I said, the inner child work and some other kind of like physical modalities. So breath work and my journaling and working out, moving my body over the course of 10 years, of course, I've seen my fair share of therapists. <laughs> but, you know, I think that AA works, but it's not for everyone. And I definitely still utilize the principles every day. And I'm very grateful for the program. However, I utilize other things as well. Really, really interesting to know and interesting to talk about that mix. It's something we talk about on the podcast all the time about finding your own mix of tools and things that work for you and being kind with ourselves as we figure this stuff out. Correct. Because I think that when we find something that works, we cling to it. And then when we evolve and we grow and expand, which we're supposed to, sometimes what used to work doesn't work anymore. And we have to be willing to swing to the next monkey bar, so to speak, you know, and allow ourselves the opportunity to try new things. And I'll be honest, for a while, I was afraid to try new things because I thought, well, what if it doesn't work? But that's kind of that renewing and rebuilding the self-trust that I had lost. And I've gratefully been able to do that. Mm, so interesting. I've been in Al-Anon, which is the sister fellowship for nearly 12 years now. And the reason that I keep going back is the community. I've never found anywhere else that sense of community although I've gone off exactly the same as you and tried many and, and explored all different modalities of healing. And that's what's so amazing about the online world and the world that we live in today is the accessibility of these tools. And something that you talk about a lot on your Instagram and on your blog is boundaries. And that's what I want us to talk yes. about today. So let's start right at the start. What are boundaries for people that have maybe heard the phrase, but might not totally understand what they are or aren't. Yes. So I think in order to really understand what boundaries are, is we kind of have to understand what they're not. And so often people think that boundaries are walls or they're like these rigid, extreme limitations or they're ultimatums or, you know, sometimes people think that they're setting a boundary because they're mad and they want to teach somebody a lesson or prove a point. And it's really none of those things. And I've written before in the past on a blog that if you're actually motivated by any of those options and you're setting a boundary, you're really not setting a boundary. And so those are kind of red flags that you need to sit with it for a little bit longer. But what boundaries are, in short, is just where I end and you begin. So that could be financially, that could be physically, that could be emotionally, that could be spiritually. There's a long list of boundaries that we utilize in our life that we essentially give over power to other people and we don't even realize it. What we do realize is that we're anxious or we're depressed or we feel stressed out and we don't know why. And honestly, it always comes back to having a lack of boundaries 
or a, a know-how of how to implement boundaries in our life. And this is so important to get into because it links back to the inner child and the healing work that this path that you and I are both on, because I know I grew up a people pleaser. I grew up giving all my power away. I was codependent. So can you explain a little bit about how you used to be with boundaries, just so that people can really get a picture and Mm -hmm. how you are now, what that shift and that line in the sand about learning about this new tool and showing up in a new way, how Mm -hmm. you've made that journey? Well, first of all, you're right. It is a shift. I tell people that it's a mindset shift and it takes practice, but before I had no boundaries. And I'm also Christian. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. And so growing up Irish Catholic, I always believed that when you love other people, you give of yourself, you're very sacrificial, you bend over backwards. That's just what you do, especially with family. You know, even when things aren't healthy in your family, you know, they're family. It's blood and you don't say anything. You don't do anything. You don't turn your back on those you love. And that's what I believed. And so part of that conditioning prevented me from utilizing boundaries in my life. And not only did it prevent me from utilizing it, it also, I call them survival skills. So part of my survival skill was people pleasing. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be a part of my family. I wanted people to like me. I wanted the approval of others. And so not only did I not have boundaries modeled to me as a child, but I felt like if I began using boundaries then I would lose the people that cared about me. And that I cared about. And so I went from having none and also being afraid of them to now using them every day in my life and believing in them like they're the air I breathe. It's the only way you can truly be in a deep, authentic relationship. Yes, because my understanding is, and part of my journey with this is when I was people pleasing, codependent, as you said, I wasn't really living. I was living this sort of wounded part of me over and over and over again because I was petrified of really being seen. But one of the things that I really struggled with when I first started to set boundaries was the guilt because my esteem hadn't quite caught up with the behavior that I was practicing. Did you experience that? Yes. And it still will creep up, you know, on a scale from one to 10, when I first started working boundaries, the guilt was like a 10 and I felt so bad. I would stay up at night festering about it. Like I don't want them to not think I don't care. You know, I was so consumed with what others thought of me, but now I'll set a boundary knowing a hundred percent it's what I need or what my children need or what my health needs. And I might get a glimmer of the guilt But again, over the five years that I've been doing this work, it has completely minimized. And I can also acknowledge the guilt for what it is, which is that old conditioning. So it's not necessarily true. It served me for a time in my life. I tell people, you know, people pleasing and codependency isn't a bad thing. It's like a life preserver. You needed it for a certain period of your life to manufacture a sense of safety, whether it was in a marriage, whether it was in a sorority, whether it was in a you know job, whatever it is. However, when you become more aware and you do this work, you can begin to separate from yourself from those old survival skills. You just don't need them anymore. So I'm very grateful for what I used back then. However, I just know better now and I do better. Yes, exactly. And the big change for me is when I realized that those survival skills 
were costing me more now than they were giving me. They enabled me to survive my childhood, but what they were giving me, that people pleasing, that codependency, that lack of boundaries was essentially burnout, anxiety, and depression. Right. And when I saw that link, I could see it was costing me more than they were giving me. Absolutely. Do you remember the first boundary you set? You know, I do. I do. Like I shared, I struggled with drugs and alcohol and a lot of my family members struggled or still struggle. And so my brother actually was not invited to my wedding, which was a huge, huge boundary at the time. Because again, we know what it feels like and what the pressure is to be family, right? Like regardless of anything. And so that was a really hard boundary for me. I was probably thinking about getting sober at that time, but kind of still thought I could beat it. But I also knew that being around certain people that were drinking or using wasn't good for me. So I was stepping into a new level of awareness. And I also just didn't want any type of drugs or alcohol to ruin the one day I was going to get married. Like I knew that I had that much self-respect at the time where I was like, this isn't going to happen. And that was really hard. And I got a ton of pushback. However, I tell people too today that, you know, when people don't respect your boundary, it's often because you needed it. Oftentimes people who take advantage of you not having a boundary are the ones that are going to be upset, if that makes sense. And so sometimes even today, if I set a boundary and people get extremely upset about it, it honestly just validates the need for the boundary for me. So I no longer feel guilty. I no longer feel anxious or worried about their response. Because it's a win-win. People either support it and encourage it and they love you anyway, or they're going to be angry and then you realize, whoa, this is validation that I did the right thing. Yes. Gosh, that was a huge one to set early on. My first boundaries were like super simple. (laughs) That was was a huge one. I think that I just wasn't willing to, here's this man that I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And leading up to that day, you know, I tell people, don't believe words, believe behaviors, believe patterns of behavior. And up until that point, my brother had showed me that he couldn't be trusted. You know, there was overconsumption of alcohol, questionable drug behavior. And I just kind of said to myself, gosh, I'm not willing to do this. It's one night and he can't come. You know, I'm just not willing to, like you said about being codependent, I'm not willing to tiptoe around on my wedding day. And a lot of brides do that or grooms, or it could be a birthday party. It could be anything. We have a problem with saying no to people that we care about. And we'd rather stuff it, feel ill and tiptoe around it all day. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like with the holidays coming up, my boundary work has been really high online because so many people are asking, what do I do for Thanksgiving? What do I do for Christmas? What do I do for New Year's? What do I do for whatever? And boundaries are, you know, they know they need to set them. They're just afraid. And so they'd rather feel ill for the next three months than to do what they need to do to care for themselves. Mm, I relate. I relate to that because that was a message that I got subconsciously growing up with that someone else's feelings were more important than my own. Right. So I, I learned that. We do. We learn that there's like reinforcements that happen where people might not say it to us directly. But we pick it up and we learn very early on that we aren't allowed to say no, that we're not allowed to have like really an opinion that we kind of need to just make everybody around us happy. And that's where our worth is found. But what happens is as we get older and we get married and we have children, we realize that we're kind of caught between 
a rock and a hard place. Like, wait, now I have these little people to care about or a husband to care about or my own home and my own career to care about. And we kind of have to decide, right? Like we have to decide, are we going to manage other people and their happiness and their emotions, or are we going to learn to manage these boundaries? But we certainly can't do both. Absolutely. And we have to go through the discomfort. And that's what I want to talk to you about now. So what do you do or how do you help people who are maybe really scared? As you said, the fear of setting a boundary is coming up. They may set a boundary and then that person gives massive pushback saying things like, you've broken my heart. Maybe it's a mother-in-law that you've suggested doesn't come to see the new baby for a couple of weeks. You know, and she might say, you've broken my heart. This child is going to be everything to me. What does someone do then? Because this is something that I hear a lot of people struggling with is the pushback on the boundary. I think we have to realize that everybody isn't going to be happy all the time. And I know that sounds kind of like obvious and simple, but we have to get comfortable of being uncomfortable, meaning we're not going to be in relation with everybody around us. And they're always going to enjoy and approve of what we do. And so I think the first thing is to get uncomfortable. So when the pushback happens and your mother-in-law says, hey, you broke my heart, I think it's okay to acknowledge that and say, well, that wasn't my intentions, but this is just what I need. However, I'm not going to bring that home with me. I'm not going to pick that up. That's what I tell people. Like, that's not your security. You can acknowledge that her feelings were hurt and that she's disappointed and that it didn't go as how she thought it should go, but I'm still going to be with my newborn for two weeks. And I'm still going to build my family and have our time together the way we see fit for us. And I always tell people to don't resist the loop around. And I kind of just made that up. But the loop around happens when you set a boundary and then the mother-in-law gives you the pushback of you broke my heart and you start to feel the guilt. And so you loop back around and you change your mind and you say, you know what, never mind. You know, like you can come over on Friday, but you know, you need those two weeks home alone with just you and your baby and your partner. Resist the loop around, sit in the discomfort. It's going to be okay. It's going to work itself out. And the more you do it, the more you practice. Like I said in the beginning, the discomfort gets less and less, but you have to practice it. And you have to realize that we are all adults and everybody is entitled to feel and have different needs, but that doesn't make it now our responsibility to fix it. And I think it's such an important point, isn't it? When we first start doing this, that it is new behavior. So when I first started doing this, I know a lot of people around me were like, what is going on with Zoe? (laughs) I was such a yes woman. I said yes to everything because my esteem was so low. I was so invested in being liked and I struggled terribly with codependency because I grew up around addiction and dysfunction. So when I started to set boundaries, I know it was really hard for people around me and I would often acknowledge that with the help of my sponsor, which was fantastic. I would say, I know this feels different. I know that I've never said no to you before. I know that I've never actually been honest with you about what I need, but it's really important for me that I do that now. And that actually really helped, I think, with people understanding, because it can seem like a bit disconcerting on the other side of the fence, can't it? Right, it can. And I think that not only can we allow for other people to have opposing emotions or needs, but I think that it's important that we remind ourselves that not only can they have opposing feelings, but we don't need them to agree with us. Again, we're adults, right? And I think that there's this lesson that we carry with us from children to share and get along and 
play nice and we become adults, like I said, if we're not sharing and getting along and playing nice, then we don't know what to do with that. And so whether you're 35 or 65, when you feel like you've hurt somebody or when you feel like somebody doesn't approve of your boundary, it's really hard. It is really hard. However, it doesn't make it wrong. It just may make it different than what they expect. And so sitting in that is where I think our power is instead of scrambling back to our old behavior, which is people pleasing and fixing. Yeah. And I so agree with that. And I used to use, and I still use some really great phrases that would buy me time. Like if someone pushed back on the boundary, but I didn't feel strong enough to reassert it in that moment, I would say something like, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Yes. Which was just so helpful. And then what I'd do is I'd go away, grab my journal, sit with the feelings, realize it was my little child screaming at me to be liked and loved. And that I didn't have to do that behavior anymore. But it's hard because we teach our children to violate their boundaries. I see it all the time. If a child refuses to kiss a relative, I see parents shoving them to go and give a hug or a kiss to that relative that they they don't want to or sharing when it's totally age inappropriate to expect a child to share. Do you see this? Because I know you're into conscious parenting as well. How can we teach our children so that they don't have to go through the huge healing journeys that we have so that they can start to hold their boundaries earlier and easier? I think that it goes back to kind of what we were just saying is that we have to give our children space to be upset. When we become adults who are people pleasers and codependent, it really triggers us when our children get upset. And so we really have a hard time holding space for a child that is screaming on the ground and crying. We really have a hard time when we're at a play date and our child is the one not sharing the toy. However, long-term, the benefits of not forcing a child to share, not forcing a child to hug are extreme. So going back to what you said about the sharing in like a play date or whatever, you know, I tell parents all the time, it's okay to be the one parent that says, you know, when my son is done with this, your daughter can have a turn. I think that we need to be okay again in situations where we're not liked and we're not approved of. But far too often in parenting, especially, we parent from a place of fear. We parent because we want other parents to like us. We parent because we think that if we don't force our child to share or if we don't force our child to give Uncle Joey a hug, then they're going to be disrespectful or they're like little spoiled brats. And that's not true. None of that is true. The research behind sharing is growing. We're learning that, you know, when a child is forced to share, they cut down on their curiosity. You know, children, especially younger toddlers, forcing them to share, they don't understand the meaning behind it. So you're getting the behavior, but you're not actually getting the intrinsic motivation behind it. We can get our children to do anything. We can get them to hug. We can get them to say please and thank you. We can get them to share. However, we're stripping them of their natural tendencies, which aren't wrong, by the way, of being curious, of being egocentric, which is, hey, I want this right now. That's okay. This isn't to say that you don't model the boundaries. So for instance, my husband and I model boundaries all the time between each other. And my children pick up that more than what I say to them. Like, honey, would you like a bite of this when I'm done? Or honey, can you hand me that? And that's how we model sharing. We don't force children to do it in the moment of a play date because we want to be liked. 
But I would say with a parent child perspective to start with the boundary work is how are you modeling boundaries in your own home with a partner? And then also how are you when your child says, no, I don't want to hug Uncle Joey. Are you backing them on that? Or are you stripping them of that boundary because you think it's disrespectful? And if you think it's disrespectful, then I would then challenge you to picture him at 14 or 16 saying no to another person at school. Are you going to back them then? If we don't support our children now in these early years, they're not going to feel supported later. It doesn't work that way. So it starts young. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that's partly where my passion comes from for this work is because I didn't experience any of that when I was growing up and I've had to learn it all. And I parent in exactly the same way. I am often the least popular mum on the play date. <laughs> but Jessie is now four and she's starting to really naturally demonstrate empathy. Yeah. And I have not forced that. That is just her natural brain developing right on time but it was really hard it's been really hard at times when I've been on a play day and you know she's not shared or I've not forced her to share and I feel the judgment on me you know it's taken all my recovery from people pleasing not to want to grab her by the arm and make her it's really challenging but this is why I think you know the work that you do and partly what I do on the podcast is so important because we can heal so much can't we by noticing what comes up in us as mothers right and I think that it's important to realize that you know we can only give to our children that of which we have meaning if we don't allow ourselves boundaries if we don't feel empowered in our own no or and our own day-to-day boundary work, then we're never going to be aware enough, let alone allow for the space for our children to have boundaries, right? Like that's why healing ourselves and doing this own work and looking at your own childhood, not to blame anybody, but just as like kind of a roadmap of, okay, that's how I was parented. Because if you don't look at it, you're going to parent the way you were parented. Absolutely. I and mean, that's just the Absolutely. way it's done. Yeah. You know, and so it's a part of our wiring. It's a part of the early conditioning. And so unless you're willing to look back at that, you will become your mom or your dad or your uncle or your caregiver. You will. Willpower isn't enough. And so just taking a look at it and kind of working through some of that and saying, okay, that's what I didn't get and I needed, or that's what I got and I didn't need. And then kind of analyzing it and turning around and being more proactive and more conscious with your own parenting. That's how we break cycles. Yeah, that's my biggest passion is, is about breaking cycles. And it's, it's a huge reason that I do this podcast. We talk about it on nearly every episode. So it's so good to hear you say that. Just going back to the boundaries, I can hear some of my listeners. Sometimes I can tune into <laughs> what people are asking. And that's around setting boundaries, particularly with Christmas. We've got Christmas coming up in the UK. What do you do if somebody violates your boundary? How do you know what are appropriate consequences. So in your example of your brother at the wedding, what would you have done if he'd have said, I'm coming? Well, unfortunately, it would have probably gotten really challenging, but Mm. I would have probably had to have called like law enforcement or something. I mean, at that point, he was on a really bad path and everybody knew it. But again, it was one of those family rules that were taught where it's family and we overlook that. And this is your wedding day and he has to be there. But, you know, there's always options. We're just not willing to take them. 
And so I created a chart last week that basically says the more the violations increase, the more the boundary increase. And so people will show you their capacity to show up for you. And so from that example, if my brother would have said, I'm coming, I would have said, well, no, I ask that you don't come. And if you do decide to come, there's going to be law enforcement there. So that's that response to his choice. My boundary hasn't changed. If anything, it's just gotten more firm. What happens, though, is so many people, again, with the pushback, like the mother-in-law saying, well, I'm coming over on Friday. They're not willing to say, no, you're not, and calling their spouse and saying, you need to call your mom, or locking the door or saying, you're not welcome, and standing firm. What they normally do is they bend and they give in. And what that does is a couple of things. It reinforces our own belief that we're not worthy of these boundaries. We're not worthy of saying, no, thank you. We're not worthy of asking for what we need. So it reinforces that, but it also reinforces how people treat us. And so now the mother-in-law thinks she can show up anytime she wants because it's been allowed. And that's what happens. And then the pattern continues. But it is really challenging. It's really hard because I think it's a case-by-case situation. But we have to be brave enough to show up for ourselves in that way because that's the only way we can live healthy and free. It really is. I mean, if there was another way, I'd be all about it. But it's really (laughs) the only way. Yeah, yeah. So do boundaries always have to have a consequence when you set them? No, I don't even think of them as consequence. I think of them as just like a limit. Like this is where I can show up to be my best. And so going back to the wedding example with my brother is like, no, this is what I need to show up on that day to be my best, to not be anxious, to not be sick, to not be scared and to be there for my husband and the family that respects us and that can be sober. So the consequence of his actions, which are the patterns of behavior that he showed me leading up to that, that's a natural consequence of his stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So boundary work is never really about paying a consequence or there's no punishment involved. It really is just a response. It's saying, no, this was because of what your behavior showed me. And so now my response to that is what I need. Like I said, with the mother-in-law, you know, she can show up better for you when you show her where the limits are. It's like a child, you know, no, we go to bed at eight. This is where the limit is. Or no, we can't have sugar. We can't have another candy bar. The relationship with the child, not only does it improve safety boundary work, but it says, hey, this is what we need to function together as a family in this household. Because otherwise people just run wild. Mm-hmm. You know, your kids will be up till midnight. Your marriage will be crumbling. They'll be eating whatever they want. Like I said, boundary work is everywhere you go. Boundary work is when you tell your child, no, you can't have another show because it's time to get ready for bed or whatever it is. It's everywhere we go, but it's a healthy way to be in relationship with people because otherwise, like you said about people pleasing in the beginning and codependency, otherwise, if we live without boundaries, the mother-in-law shows up, we're resentful, we're mad at our partner, we're pissed that we didn't get that time with our newborn, we're never going to get that time back, we wish we would have spoke up for ourselves. And now she's sitting there and we're mad about it. And so we're disconnected from our mother-in-law who we love, right? But it's all because we didn't have the courage to set that original boundary. I'm just so grateful that you brought up the word resentments because this is something, you know, 12-step you and I know is a huge part of that program. And I've noticed that when I wasn't setting boundaries, I was resentful at pretty much everyone in my life because I was letting them and saying yes when I wanted to say no. And that would make me resentful. And then that blocked the connection. 
So I was basically harming myself so much because I couldn't show up for myself and be authentic and real and say what actually was going to work for me. I was resentful all the time. Like I remember I would, at the time I was in recovery, early recovery, not drinking. And I, so I would drive my friends home after nights out. (laughs) I remember Mm because I couldn't say no, I didn't want to, I was tired, but I remember driving around London dropping people back at various places all over, just seething with resentment, none of which was their fault. Right. But because I didn't have the courage to say, I'm not going to drive you home. I'm going to go home and you can get home. You can get a cab or whatever. That's none of my business. So what I noticed is when I started practicing boundaries, I started to feel way more connected to people. And I think people started to feel way more connected to me because I was being real for the first time in my life. Well, they know where you're at. Like, who doesn't respect somebody that is clear? I don't know about you, but there is nothing worse than a friendship than having somebody that's kind of like, oh, I don't know, maybe, okay, well, that kind of made me upset, but that's fine. And again, the safety in relationship, it's no different than our children. They need a mom that says, no, this is the limit not in an angry way, in a kind and clear way. Like, no, bedtime's at eight, you need to brush your teeth or whatever it is. But the safety is there, the security is there within relationship when we know where each other ends and begins. And so I think far too many people are wounded in relationships because they grew up feeling they couldn't really say or be who they were. And they learned to people please early on and they had zero boundaries. And then they grew into adults now, like that are similarly people pleasing and, you know, they're codependent and they're saving the day. Like your example, driving people around because you're the sober one now. And they spend a majority of their life unhappy and resentful and blaming other people for their own unhappiness. When the reality is they're just not ready to say no. They're not ready to say, no, I can't drive you home tonight. I'm going to bed, you know, or whatever it is because they're afraid they're going to lose that friend or they're afraid they're going to lose their mother-in-law or they're afraid they're going to make somebody upset. And so we've gotten so accustomed to stuffing our own needs, but really it makes us suffer and it makes our relationships suffer. Yes, I totally agree. And the last thing that I want to ask you about before we close, sometimes I get asked by people who are so new to this work and so struggling with getting esteem from being liked and they'll say to me, I don't even know where to start with setting a boundary. And you Mm -hmm. talk so brilliantly about we have to tune in with our intuition. Can you Mm -hmm. talk to that? Because I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle that we haven't spoken to yet. It's probably the only way to begin because otherwise we're just kind of reacting and not responding. So I tell people, I think it's really important to tune in every day. And listen, as a busy wife and mom and business owner. And it's really hard to carve out five minutes alone by yourself. And when you get five minutes alone, normally you want to just be on Netflix and zone out. However, to carve out five minutes of time every day, it's just crucial to really kind of process through those things in your life. I think that that's just the best place to start. For me, I do my breaking free journal guide, which I shared on my page and I'm sure you can link it, but it's particularly important for moms that know that they have some stuff that their parents did that they don't want to do, but they don't quite know how to break free of it. So that helps me because it allows you to 
work through a specific area each day, depending on what you need and what you're dealing with. And it gives you prompts for that. But I think that just spending that five minutes a day tuning in, because what happens is often when we know we need to set a boundary, our body will let us know before it registers cognitively, meaning our stomach will get upset or we'll feel shortness of breath come on or our palms will sweat and we'll say to ourselves, gosh, like I just can't catch my breath today or I've skipped too many meals or I feel this tendency to like want to go online and shop, right? Because we want to avoid things and our body will let us know that. But unless we're tuning into that, then we'll never know and we'll kind of just continue to run and stay busy from it. But when you do the work and you have that five minutes a day where you're like, okay, body, what is going on? What is going on in my relationships? What is it that I need? Should I really volunteer again this year for my child's fall festival, even though I've got a deadline and my family's coming into town and I'm overwhelmed? Or should I just say no? And it doesn't make me a bad parent. It doesn't make me a parent that doesn't care. <laughs> like, right? Like the beliefs that we carry, we're like, well, if we're not there, we're the only bad parent. It's not true. And so I think tuning in five minutes a day just helps. And maybe it's not the breaking free journal guide. Maybe it's something else, even just sitting outside and looking at the sky. I mean, just spending five minutes unattached to our phone and our people will just help us quiet down enough to say, what is it that I need? Because unless you know what you need, you really can't ask for it. And as you do the work, you'll notice that you'll see, okay, this is what I need. And then you'll hear the chatter and the chatter is, oh, well, you can't do that because, right? And that's where you need to challenge those thoughts because oftentimes those thoughts are associated with that old conditioning that we kind of grew up around. Yeah, it's so important. I often say I'm not responsible for my first thought. My first thought is always from my old conditioning, but I am responsible for my second thought and my first action. And that little tool changed my life around this. It really did. Because my first thought would always be, who are you to set a boundary? Who are you? You know, that really low self-worth voice would come in really strong. And I think the other thing is, as we were talking about resentments, often I know where I need to set a boundary because I'm feeling resentful. Yes. That's such a big clue for me as well. If I'm feeling like bitter or angry or pissed off with someone, normally that's because I feel like a victim. And normally that's because I've not set a boundary. So that's really helpful too. And I think just knowing what your response is, so I can relate, I'm definitely like a fighter. So when I get angry, it's because I need to set a boundary. Like I'm feeling pushed and I need to set a boundary somewhere, whether it's physically, emotionally, with my time, with my finances, whatever it is. Even with my children, if I need a break, I need to ask my husband for a break. I need to say, I need an hour to just go be by myself for a little bit because I'm feeling that anger come on of like, I need some time alone and that that's okay. But you're totally right. You have to be aware of what your normal response is. Some people, they withdraw and shut down. And so when you become more familiar with that, you can see it in yourself and you can go, oh, wait a minute. This is my fleeing. This is me withdrawing and shutting down. I probably need to set up a boundary somewhere. I probably need to talk about what I need. And so that's a great point too, because when we're familiar with our natural responses, again, it's communication that we can use. Mm, And it's beautiful because we've gone full circle because these, of course, are the survival skills that you talked about right up front. So it's noticing those survival skills. Mine is often to get pissed off and withdraw, actually, and I oscillate between the two. But I know those now. As you say, it's that knowledge allowing ourselves to have our needs. And then the third step is boundaries. So it's super helpful because I think we've shared with people, hopefully, that what comes before the boundary 
which is this groundwork of knowing ourselves before we do it. And before I ask you the final question, you obviously talk about this a lot. I imagine you get a lot of questions on it. Are there any questions which repeatedly come up or queries that you hear from people? And what are the responses to those? Like, are there two or three things that people continually get challenged with around this? I think the number one concern with people is their family. Okay. And I tell people it doesn't change because it's family. Like we think because it's family that we have to cater or bend or compensate in areas. And it's not true. If anything, we probably need firmer boundaries with those that we are closest to. Because while they might not be struggling with drugs and alcohol, they may be showing up at your house when you don't want them there. Or they may be calling you when you're trying to get ready for bed, or they may be saying things about your divorce that you're not comfortable with. And so we have to be willing to set boundaries with our family if we want to continue being in an authentic relationship with them. And it's really scary, but it's not impossible. And I think that that's probably the number one concern that people question this boundary work, you know, well, but it's my aunt. And, you know, she's struggling with addiction or, oh, it's my dad and he's has Alzheimer's or, oh, you know, they, there's certain scenarios where they think, oh, well, it shouldn't matter anymore and I should just show up. The reality is you cannot lose yourself in a relationship and expect for that relationship to continue. You'll get to a point where you just give up and you throw in the towel or you just become so resentful that you disconnect and you're hurt and they're hurt. You know, and so boundary work is bravery work. I mean, it really is saying, these are my cards. This is what I'm playing. And this is what I need. Whether your family member is sick or suffering. Yeah, I hear often too, well, they just care so much and they're trying to help me. And, you know, sometimes too much help can be hurtful too. Yeah, you know, so like too. you said, with the mother-in-law wanting to come over for the two, first two weeks, you know, you might tell a friend, hey, I just had this baby. My mother-in-law wants to come over. And your friend might say, oh, my gosh, that's great. Like, I wish I had that. And then you feel guilty, even though inside, you know, your intuition is saying, I just want alone time. I just don't want to have to deal with this right now. And that's okay. And being brave enough to say, hey, I just need two weeks. But when you do come over, I'd love for you to be here so I can take a shower or can you bring dinner or whatever? I think that boundaries with family is the hardest. But it's such a beautiful reframe because what you're saying there is that far from using boundaries or boundaries being seen as this disconnection tool, that actually when we're using our boundaries, what we're really saying is I really value our relationship and I want this relationship to continue to grow and be even more authentic and deep and real. So... I'm going to tell you what I need. It's almost like the most respectful thing that you can do for someone, isn't it? Is put boundaries down. It is. And I wish it was almost called something else because boundaries do sound very like a wall. Yeah, I do. Know? Yeah. I wish it was called a different word because like I call them love letters, like little love notes. I think that if you reframe it like that, because when you're in a relationship with somebody, you have to be brave. You have to be vulnerable. You have to talk about what bothers you and the things that you need because that way the person has an opportunity to provide that for you and show up. But when we go into it kind of like with this guessing game or this like uncertainty, it's just not fair. 
And so that mother-in-law leaves feeling disconnected, like she hurt her daughter-in-law. She doesn't know why. And that's because the daughter-in-law wasn't brave enough to speak up. Yeah. You know, and oftentimes I found with boundary work, if you're clear and kind about what you need, people are so grateful because they can deliver. People want to be there for you. But what happens is we just become afraid and we and we're fearful. And so we navigate from that place instead of a place of vulnerability. And our, like I said, our relationships suffer mm. and everybody's kind of in this mess and they don't know how they got there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we should recall them love lines maybe or love limits or yeah something with love in it because they are the most loving thing that we can do as we've said so I always ask the same question at the end of every episode and I cannot wait to hear your answer (laughs) which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world what would that gift be and why Uh, so I thought about this I just think I'd give I'm a hug. I mean, I know that sounds really simple, but I think that moms in particular need to be reminded that they are enough and that they're doing a damn good job. And I don't think that they are acknowledged enough for that. And so I just would give them a big old hug and say, you're doing a great job because we all make mistakes and I'm definitely not a perfect parent, even though I've applied this gentle conscious parenting, I still scream at my kids. I still make mistakes. I still curse in front of them. I still do really bad things. And just to be reminded and to have a hug from somebody saying like, you know what, you're just trying, you're really trying. And I can see that and you're doing a good job. I think we need more of that in the world, especially in the mama world, because, you know, it can get really competitive and really shameful and we just kind of need each other. So I think it would be a hug. Mm, Beautiful. And we can give that to ourselves as well, can't we? I try and tell myself I'm doing a good job most days, (laughs) even when I feel like I'm not. (laughs) Well, you know, there's always one good thing that we've done. You know, we always like amplify all the, the mistakes, you know, the time that we yelled at our kids or whatever. We forget all the times in the day that we just knocked it out of the park. So I think we have to celebrate the small wins too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It's been a joy and an honor to chat to you. Thank you. This was great. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about, then just tag them in on Instagram. My bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there. People often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends. So if that's you, then please do. I feel like the guests that we have on the podcast, their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide. So help me make that happen. I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also, just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme, which is a three-month programme called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. 
Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon.